Through Thick and Thin is a 12-month journey to discover your truest identity and calling in the Lord. Designed by and for young Vietnamese Catholics, this podcast welcomes special guests to discuss the intersection of faith, life, and culture. Now, here's your host, Vivian Nguyen. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Through Thick and Thin. I'm your host, Vivian Nguyen, and if you are new here, I post every first Friday of the month. Each month is a chapter of this 12-month journey. The mission of this podcast is to help you discover your truest identity and purpose, and I pray that as you tune into this podcast, you feel safe and loved just from where you are at. In the previous episode, I was joined by Daniel and Annie Lee, who helped clarify what real love is and the importance of being whole as an individual first before stepping into a relationship. A very wholesome and powerful conversation that I recommend you give a listen to if you haven't already. I'm extremely grateful for today's episode because first, it's released towards the beginning of Lent, which is my most favorite time of the whole year. And second, we will be tackling a topic that is relevant to everyone with a brilliant recurring guest. As we journey our way through Lent, we are reminded of the isolating 40 days Jesus spent in the desert and the agony he had to face when he was nailed to that cross. We are called to mirror his example, to cling to God in deep trust and prayer when pain and despair arise. With that being said, we will talk about how pain can be one of the means that draws us closer to God, which sounds paradoxical, but an absolute dictum. There is no one better to talk about a profound and vulnerable topic than the one and only Father Randy Hong, the parochial vicar of St. Cecilia's Catholic Church. Welcome back to the podcast, Father. Thank you, Vivian. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, just thoughts and feelings after the release of the first episode last time. Yeah, no, I received a lot of feedback. That's good feedback. I, I received a lot of good feedback. I mean, to my surprise. Um, obviously, like like you had mentioned in the first podcast, this was kind of the first launch, so we really know where it was going to go and how people are going to receive it. But a lot of good feedback from from from, from priests, mm-hmm. um, from youth that reached out to me via email and you know messaged uh-huh. me and asked me questions about things. And I, I I honestly believe that you know when you brought it up to me this whole conversation about bringing this podcast to light, that the Holy Spirit was working and that, it, that oh, he was going to do thank something. You. And that was very evident, you know, after oh. the first episode in my reception mm-hmm. of, you know, re- receiving, you know, feedback from priests and especially the young people. Do you, you mind know? sharing one feedback that you received? Sure. So one, one feedback that I got um, from a, uh, a youth that I helped with, you know, growing up at my home parish, he mentioned to me, he said, Father, you know, it's really nice to be able to hear from somebody that I can identify with oh. and understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really touched me, right? Because yeah. obviously, you know, it, I, I was able to, in some way, help him connect with, you know, whether that's his identity of being Vietnamese or being Catholic or growing from the same parish or, you know, just being young and struggling with these kind of things, you know, but it was just, it was an affirmation that the Holy Spirit was doing something, mm-hmm. right? And in the ultimate, that was our goal, mm-hmm. was to, ho- to hopefully open conversations for our young, you know, um, people in the diocese. Yeah. In particular, to those that are Vietnamese, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to have those conversations that otherwise would never be had at home yeah. or you know anywhere else. Yeah, I am thankful we we touched on that topic. And Father Angskar was actually talking about it and announcing it um, at our leave Levang in one of the masses in his homilies, and he's like, "You guys need to go check this <laughs> first episode." He did. Episode I out. was so surprised and shocked at the same time. Same, yeah. Like, he he texted me. Oh, okay. And he said, and I was like. 
great. He's gonna, you know, <laughs> like, why did you do that? Or like, that's that's taboo or something like that, right? Because we, we we spoke about that. Yeah. That a lot of things that I spoke about are unspoken of at yeah. home. And um, I really and... appreciate your vulnerability and your transparency in that. That was what really helped so many people listening. Yeah. So thank you very much for doing no, that. No, it was my pleasure. It was my pleasure. But he, yeah, he, he loved it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I really encourage you guys to continue the podcast. And so I was like, oh, okay, there's this fruit there. And then, yeah, when he announced it, it was funny because my brother, who never really like interacts with like me in terms of, you know, me being a priest or anything, <laughs> he texted me and he's like, uh, a bunch of my friends texted me and said that, you know, <laughs> Father Ansgar wants me to listen to this podcast. And he was like, am I in it? <laughs> and I said, I, I, I just kind of said, I don't know. And he was like, if I swear, if I'm in it, you know, and I said, no, you know, a, a lot of it is my personal experience, but also just picking up from experiences of being a priest. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it one of those things where, because, you know, and to be honest too, and then I don't think he, you know, would care if I say this. But like, like most of like his you know friend groups and on are not really practicing, mm. and so the fact that they're listening to it and like passing it on to That's other people amazing. and their friends, Aww. it's kind of like okay, again the Holy Spirit is doing something, yeah. and not knowing what the result is going to be mm-hmm. is kind of exciting, but also yeah. like okay, good, yeah. You know, there's something that's happening, and the Holy Spirit is working. And we've opened a conversation is allowing it to go where it goes. Well, yeah. that makes me really happy that I asked you to be on the first yeah, episode. <laughs> well, thank you, God, and thank you to you. <laughs> yes. Um, so instead of opting for a would you rather question today, I do want to ask you a question that I think me, myself, and other, other people are curious oh, about. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so we're going to ask it. All right. What's the go. hardest part about being a priest? The hardest. And about- the most fun. Two questions separately. The hardest <laughs> and the most fun. Oh my I'm gosh. I'm really curious. <laughs> I, I almost want to default to like a generic, like, you know, ministry question because a, a priest is a whole, it's a, it's a life. It's not like a, you know, a nine to five job. Right. Right. Um, I would say friendship. Friendship is the, mm. is, is the hardest and the most beautiful part about being a priest. And what I mean by that is I spent, as, as you know, Vivian, I spent five years in Rome. Right. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of my, what I call what considered to be my close friends, right. I knew then, and most of them didn't come from Oregon or the West coast. And mm-hmm. so I've, I've two good friends of mine in particular that I talked to still, um, one's in New York and one's in Florida. Mm-hmm. Right. And the hard part is I can't just go to them and, and talk to them about mm-hmm. a hard day or if I'm like, and doing they were something. in Rome with you. They're in Rome with me. Okay. Right. Like I, I can't just go over and say, Hey, let's go out, grab dinner or let's go grab a movie. Mm-hmm. Right. I have to like kind of coordinate when I call them because they're on the East coast. Yeah. Right. But the most beautiful part of it is that even with our distance, we can, sh- we can still share a lot of sentiments about what it means to be a priest. Mm-hmm. And when we do, you know, that see each other stunning. or chat, yeah. there is that profound, you know, oh. um, sense of friendship that's there yeah. and love that's there yeah. because we're, it's very For intentional. Sure. Yeah. Right. But also that we're working towards one goal, right. Mm-hmm. And that is to be with God. Mm-hmm. Right. And, yeah. I, 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 for me as a phrase, like that's the most beautiful thing. That and that is true friendship. friendship. That yeah. is true friendship. Yeah. True friendship. That's beautiful. Yeah. So yeah. shout out to, uh, to father Matt and to father Alex. <laughs> I don't know if you're listening to this right now, but, uh, <laughs> yes, I was like, that's kind of, you know, the most difficult and the most beautiful part about being a priest. Mm, what's the most fun? The most fun. Oh. Being able to meet so many people, mm. like not just parishioners or like, you know, in Catholic environments, but when I wear clerics going to the gym or when I go to 
Yeah, there, there's one time, there's a story. I'll tell it next time. There's a story about me going to, <laughs> Shoot, no, him going, going to the gym in Clerics. Um, but like, yeah, to the gym or to the, you know, to the coffee bar, or to the restaurant, to the airport or anywhere, like mm-hmm. the, the conversations I get. Mm-hmm. Are they always great and always positive? No. But <laughs> you'd be surprised how open people are when they encounter a priest. Like they just, mm-hmm. there's just this, oh, this sense of that they just be themselves and just mm-hmm. say anything. Right. Right, whether or not you want to hear it or not, but, <laughs> uh, that's the most fun. Okay, right, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Anything boring about being a priest? Boring about being a priest? Oh my gosh, meetings. <laughs> I, I hate. I thought you were gonna say confessions, but <laughs> no, Vivian. <laughs> Sorry. Unbelievable. <laughs> I'll say my favorite phrase. What is wrong with you? <laughs> um, no, I would say the most boring. It has to be done, right? I mean. I, Yes, there's a lot of beautiful aspects about being a priest, about being able to, you know, encounter people and being able to be with people and, you know, celebrate the sacraments. But a large part of it that people don't realize as a parish priest is that there's a lot of administration and a lot of, you know, business related things that need to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. And and so and that requires meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't like meetings, <laughs> uh, especially when they're long. <laughs> I, I like meetings to be short and sweet. Uh-huh. Um, but... It has to be done, right? It has to be done. So the the boring, the most boring part about being a priest are meetings. Okay, good. Good to Not know. Not confessions. I love confessions. <laughs> okay, Can't believe good. you, Vivian. Where do you, where's your high school? <laughs> Jesuit high school. <laughs> I love the Jesuits, I do. Okay, well, in today's um, topic, we're going to be talking about pain and how that can be used... Um, as a pathway to God. Mm-hmm. And we know that pain is inevitable. Jesus even said in John chapter 16, verse 33, that in this world you will have trouble, but take our, I have overcome the world. Mm-hmm. So we can't avoid pain. We can't try to avoid reality, no matter how hard we try. And since pain is such an extensive concept, I want to specifically focus on how pain connects and reunites us to God in this episode. So for me personally, I've had my fair share of rough and tough seasons in life. And I've had thoughts of just wanting to give up and collapse. Um, And I've been in that place of just constantly asking why God and simply wanting to understand. But looking back, those hard and almost unfair and unbearable moments brought me closer to God because I learned to rely on him for strength. Mm -hmm. I had to learn to trust him. And pain brought me into this place of intimacy with God, where I'm now constantly thirsting for him through prayer, um, going to mass, reading the Bible, um, devotions, and listening to sermons, reading books about our Catholic faith. And pain has brought me into this place where I find that I'm more intentional with him. And I'm sure in some way, shape, or form, pain has also had a metamorphic effect Um on you know in your relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So thinking back on your life thus far, what would you say was your lowest or darkest moment? Um, and did you question God's love for you, or did that moment, or how did that moment change your relationship with God? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think when we speak about pain, like you said, Vivian, right? You know, rough, difficult seasons, right? It relates to the difficulties of life, the experiences of suffering that we have. Um, so I, I would say really, in my experience growing up, right, pain or suffering was a catalyst to me becoming a priest. 
Mm. Right. It really was kind of the the catalyst to allowing me to be able to come to encounter God, mm-hmm. to to come back to the faith, and then to ultimately be open to the call of responding to the priesthood. Um, and so, yeah, I, I guess I would just kind of share a story of mine growing up. Um, I think I mentioned this in the first podcast, mm-hmm. but, you know, growing up, you know, I was bullied a lot. I, I, I didn't really fit in. I didn't really, I didn't play sports. Mm-hmm. I didn't like kind of those athletic things. I didn't like video games. I just kind of was like a homebody. You didn't like video games? I did not. No, I did not. And, you know, I, I had tried to try, you know, try to like Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon. Oh, I know Pokemon. Oh my but. gosh. I'm aging myself now. <laughs> Uh, but like, you know, those things to me wasn't attractive. Like to me, it was kind of like, oh, I like, I, I like to draw and I'd like to kind of be at home and I like to eat. I loved eating growing up. I still do. Um, <laughs> but those are, that, that was me. Like I didn't, you know, yeah. I, I never went, I never went out and like played sports or like roughed it out there wow. on recess yeah. or play games. Right. And so it was kind of really hard for me to identify with, you know, any of the boys or even right. any of the girls. I was kind of like, you know, like, right. I was like, this odd kid. Yeah. Right. Some say I'm still odd, but anyways, I digress. <laughs> but, you know, that led to this one moment that the reason why I say that is it, it, it colored a lot of, of who I was, mm-hmm. right? For me during my childhood mm-hmm. was I didn't fit in mm-hmm. and feeling alone and feeling that I just was not accepted anywhere, mm-hmm. right? So I kind of fast forward now to this one story, this one moment in my life. When I was 13 years old, I was in eighth grade, mm-hmm. my mom um, fell into depression, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm for sure a mama's boy, right? So I'm the firstborn mama's boy. So I, I, I spent a lot of time with my mom, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so it was very hard for me to accept that God was a God of love mm-hmm. when my mom was suffering. Mm-hmm when my mom did nothing to, to, deserve. to deserve that, right? right? And so I couldn't understand mm-hmm. that. And so my mom had depression um, when I was in eighth grade, I was 13 years old. And I remember it was you know in between the time of the end of eighth grade and going mm-hmm. into high school. And so at that time too, my parents had bought their dream home. Like the, my dad had bought his dream home and they, you know, they'd worked the American dream and provided for this. And so they bought, they bought their dream home. And we were excited to move and I was excited because I was going to a different high school, mm-hmm. right? A different school district. I was mm-hmm. almost in a way able to redefine myself, mm, right? Okay. Especially, you know, you're jumping from eighth grade to high school. It's kind right. of a big jump. It's like that moment of like, okay, I can now be a new person and no one will know who I am. Right. Right. Um, and so my mom had depression. And throughout the entirety of that summer, we had moved into my uncle's home. and It was a very small home, right? And it was eight of us. So my, my mom, my dad, my brother and I, right? Mm-hmm. And again, you know, I was eighth grade, 13 years old, puberty, you know, all of those emotions and all those kind of questions going on, right? Yeah. Um, and we weren't able to move to that house that my dad had, you know, dreamed of moving into and mm-hmm. worked hard for, right? And I remember, you know, being with my mom that entire summer, right? The whole summer. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't do anything. You know, my, you know, I had some friends that invited me to go places. I didn't go anywhere because mm-hmm. I was just, just torn I was like why is my mom dealing with this and then upset too mm-hmm. and at times ashamed right mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of mixed emotions for me yeah. right of of anger of being embarrassed being ashamed sadness you know just 
despair or it's just like, where is this going to go? Like what's going to happen? Right. And I, I remember one night in the whole summer, I, I slept on a cot in the living room, but one night I looked up and there was an image, you know, of the Holy family that was mm. in the living room. Yeah. And I'd always grown, you know, up praying before going to bed. That was something that I did. Mm-hmm. My, my grandma taught me that my mom had instilled that in me and my dad had to kind of like force us to do that as a family. So we did that. And so I did, you know, I prayed to our father and the Hail Mary and Vietnamese, mm-hmm. right? Um, prayers I did every single night growing up since I was five years old. But in that moment, for some reason, I was, I became just, I would say viscerally upset. Like I was just very angry for some reason after finishing those prayers. Like, I, 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 and I think if it was for me in that moment, I realized this is just nonsense. Mm. Like, why am I praying? Yeah. My mom's suffering and here she is praying every single day of her life. Why, why, why is she, why is there, why is there even a God if, if it's happening to people? Right. Cause it, it became for me a personal experience. It wasn't like someone else's mom. It was my mom. Right. And so it became very personal. And so I became very angry and I just started to just vent and i remember just using just very you know i just said everything that was on my heart you know i and i i said i would i would say that i I even cursed god you know that night of you know like you know how can you exist and all this kind of stuff and all the all the words that you that i can't say on the radio i said right um and i remember feeling the sense of peace at the very end of it Mm. right and to kind of fast forward my mom was healed Right. She was able to get back and we moved into, we moved back to our old house and I started at a new school district and kind of life went on. Um, but it was through that experience that I came to encounter God. Right. Mm-hmm. It was almost as if God from the moment where I was born until that moment mm-hmm. was preparing me f- for that moment because he knew that I wasn't able to experience him anywhere else, but in that moment of suffering. Mm-hmm. Because I was against a wall and I couldn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And that that forced me to face a reality of does God exist or not? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and in that, I came to experience the love of God. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and in, in a particular moment, if you can say that I experienced the love of God was when I had gone to Our Lady Levin and that day there was there was a statue of Our Lady of Fatima that was traveling in the mm-hmm. diocese, right? And so right before that, a couple of days before, I had made a promise to Mary that I would never eat meat on Fridays for the rest of my life. Um, and I would- Not just in Lent, like- For the rest of my life, again. Yeah, that's, I should have spoken more about that. But yes, I, I made a promise to Mary um, at 13 years old, right? Wow. You know, during that time of my time. <laughs> Looking back now, I'm like, oh, that's, that's a lot, that's a lot of Fridays, right? <laughs> But I, I made a promise to her. I said, you know, Mary, if you heal my mom, I will I will not eat meat for the rest of my life on Fridays for you. And then I said this even more. And I think it was definitely God working. I said, I will give my life to you. And looking back, I was like, do I really know what I was saying? Probably not, but it was the Holy Spirit. But that Saturday when we went to Arlita Levan, right, when things, everything could have gone wrong and went wrong. My dad had overtime. My mom had, you know, a really bad day. And I had a bad day, and so I was, you know, a typical teenager in the car with my earbuds in, kind of zoning things out. And we got there, and I was super embarrassed, right? But I was so desperate. I said, Mary, you have to exist. You really do have to exist, because if you don't, I don't know what to do right now. 
And in, in that desperation, out of out of providence, the statue that was being moved into the caravan was pulled out and turned in the direction of my mom and I. Mm-hmm. And it's in that moment precisely mm-hmm. where I felt the love of God for mm-hmm. me and yeah. the love of his mother for me. It was very concrete and I felt it. Mm-hmm. Right in in my bones, and even now, as I'm saying it, you know, it gives me goosebumps because it was very real. It was very tangible. Yeah. Right, and so that continues to to kind of go in again through high school. I kind of was in and out of the practice of the faith, but I I I always had looked back whenever things were difficult in high school to that moment, Mm -hmm. right? And the reason why I say that that my experience of pain and suffering allowed me to be the person I am today as his, as his priest was because he, God was setting me up to experience his love. Mm-hmm. And he knew that that was, that was the only way for me to be able to be open to responding to his call of being mm-hmm. a priest. Yeah. And so when I look back in all of my years of being bullied, all the years of, of my mom being sick, all the difficulties and all the things I should have done that I did in high school, right? God was saying, those all needed to happen for you to realize that I love you mm. and that I'm calling you to be my priest, mm. right? And so I'm unable to conceptualize that without understanding the entirety of my suffering, right? Right, And, and that's where it's at, right? Mm. Again, suffering, my, my own suffering, my own you know, difficulties in life are still there. Yeah. You know, I'm still dealing with a lot of things that I've dealt with you know, the struggles, the sins and everything, they're still there. Right. Right. But be, but because I've experienced the love of God in, midst, in the midst of what I would consider to be the greatest suffering in my life mm-hmm. with my mom, mm-hmm. I'm, now, I'm now able to conceptualize and understand concretely, mm-hmm. right, that he doesn't abandon me, that God does not abandon us in our suffering, but rather he is even more present in our suffering, yeah. wanting for us exactly. to see it. Right. And when we see it and when we open to receiving it, mm-hmm. then the feeling of his presence and the feeling of his care for us and his love for us is overwhelming. But he doesn't force it. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the hardest thing. Right. And sometimes we, we wish, I wish, God just forced me to feel your love. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't because you can't, can't force yeah, that's someone to receive mm-hmm. love. You can't. Right. You have the open to it, right? Right. Actually, this weekend I'm going to go lead an encounter retreat okay and in my talk um i i am asked to talk about my relationship with jesus and something that a lot of people wonder um with you know people who are i guess more religious like me is if god is someone who is all loving and all powerful but still allows suffering why would you want to associate yourself with that person? Mm-hmm. Because in my talk, I do say that Jesus is my best friend. Why? Because he knows the very depths of my heart even before I bring it to prayer. He doesn't abandon me. He listens to me. He doesn't He doesn't answer everything that I bring to prayer, but he never leaves my side. Mm-hmm. But for people who are asking, if God claims to be good, why does he let bad things happen? If God is love, and he claims that he can do the impossible. Why doesn't he take that suffering away? Mm-hmm. What would you say to the people who question that? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a very real question, right? Right, Because we, mm-hmm. we look around our world and we see so much suffering and brokenness and violence and injustices, 
right? And we know that God created the world. So how does it reconcile that God is good and there's suffering in the world, right? Ultimately, God does not create suffering. Mm-hmm. God allows yeah. suffering. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very theological concept, um, but it speaks to the reality of us, right? Because, and let's, you know, let's go back to this. So in the beginning, right? And this is something that the Archbishop has talked about a lot, the kerygma, right? The found, what, what is the message of the, what is, what is the good news? Like, what mm-hmm. are we proclaiming? What are we believing, right? And it comes down that, that God in the very beginning, right, created the universe, created us, right? And the first creation that he created was the spiritual world, right? Light. You know, and one of the first creatures he created was the angels, mm. right? And one of the angel, and one of those angels was named Lucifer, right? Right, the angel of light. Now, that's what Lucifer means, the angel of light, right? And he, as angel, as 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 God's angel, knew what God was going to do, like right? because they assist God, and they knew that God was going to create us, mm. right? And as you and I, different from angels, we we are God's perfect creation because why? Because we are made in the image and likeness of God himself, right? Where angels are to aid God. They're to help God, help us. Mm-hmm. And so Lucifer did not want to accept that. He did not want to accept that he was serving us and serving God, mm. right? And it's that, that it was that inner pride. It was mm-hmm. that pride of like, no, I'm not going to serve. Mm-hmm. And we can ask that question too. Like, well, why would God create an angel that would, you know, that would disobey him? Mm-hmm. Well, we, that, that's another question in itself, right? But then Lucifer in his entirety of his existence, right? His plan is not against God. It's against you and I. Because he's unable to experience God anymore because he's been exiled, mm-hmm. right? He wants to prevent you and I to experience God, right? right? And we know in the, in the Garden of Adam and Eve, right? God, you know, God creates Adam and Eve. And he provides for them and he gives them everything, mm-hmm. right? But he asks us only one thing. And that, and that wasn't any way to take away anything, but it was to say, you don't need to worry about this, mm-hmm. right? I created you to be good and to experience perfection and goodness. Mm-hmm. You don't need to think about anything else, mm-hmm. right? But then Lucifer came in, right? And tempted Adam and even and said, don't trust him. Mm-hmm. God doesn't love you. Mm-hmm. God doesn't exist. God doesn't care for you. He actually doesn't like you. Right? And that is the biggest lie. And that's a lie that we all at times fall into. Mm, yeah. Right? So whenever we, we talk about suffering or pains or whatnot, it's because we feel that God or whoever else that we love doesn't care for us. Yeah. Is not going to provide for us. Yeah. Right? But that's the lie the devil wants to instill in mm, us. Yeah. But we know I know, you know from experience, and whoever, and for anybody who's listening who's experienced God knows, mm-hmm. God does not abandon us. Mm-hmm. He never does. Yeah. We abandon Him. Yeah. Right? And this brings us to another thing, too, is that God's plan, right, from the moment of the fall, was to create that we return to Him. Mm. And so at times, God allow suffering to happen so that we can come to realize his love and return to him. Mm-hmm. Like I said, in my experience, right. I was unable to experience God 
through all the many years of Sunday school, all the many hours of praying, of going to mass, I was unable to do all of that. And God knew that. Same. God, yeah. Mm -hmm. So God knew that. Yeah. And he said, you know what? The only way that you're going to be able to experience my love and be open to receiving that love is for me to permit this to happen. Yeah. Right. But he doesn't create it. Yeah. He permits it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because everything that we talk about in terms of pain, brokenness, suffering is a human decision. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. It's a consequence of something that is us, mm-hmm. not God. Mm. Because God created us in his image and likeness in perfection. Right. Right. And again, that's a bigger spiritual question that we don't always associate with our, our everyday lives. Mm-hmm. Every single day when we're struggling and we're dealing with things, you and I, every single day, what we think are just, you know, kind of everyday problems are spiritual problems mm-hmm. because it's dealing now with this cos- this cosmos of, you know, the angels of God and, and, and the demons and everything, because ultimately we're not made for this world. We're made for God. Right. And so it's a spiritual battle. Yeah. Right. And so for those who are struggling with that question of, you know, how does God, how is God present in that one, right? Suffering, if we believe that God is is a loving God that God provides and we go to him in, during a time of suffering, we will realize the depth of his love for us and realize that he's present, right? And two, the suffering that he permits and allows to happen is to always bring us back to him and to experience that love. Mm-hmm. That's always back to him, right? right? But then he doesn't force it. Yeah. Right. We can choose in our suffering what we do with it. Yeah. Right. When 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 someone has pained you, you can choose how you react to it. Right. In the same way, in your suffering, you and I can choose whether or not we want to respond yeah. with with receiving God's love and God's guidance mm-hmm. or not, or mm-hmm. be resentful of God. Mm-hmm. And I want to clarify because you said God allows and God mm-hmm. permits. And those are two very important words to recognize because I think in the Vietnamese culture, when we go through a suffering, we often say, God gave me that cross, so I must carry it. I don't, for me, I think that God Mm. doesn't give you a cross. God allows you to carry it and Mm. you get the chance to carry it because that's how you grow closer to God. Mm -hmm. I I do believe that. But there's a lot of people who just, maybe it's just the Vietnamese language. Sure. But it's like, oh, God gave me it. So I, it's it's his will for me to carry it. Mm-hmm. What would you say to people who who think that yeah, way? Yeah, I mean, obviously that's a kind of a, a personal decision. I would say that, you know, at times we can say that God allows our suffering to be in our lives so that we can come to a deeper encounter of him or even to um, test us so that we can trust him even more, right? Um, but at times, too, there are there are things in our lives that can be prevented Right, that but that we ourselves create in terms mm-hmm. of our own sufferings, sure. right? But it's even in those moments where the sufferings that can be avoided, mm-hmm. that's not given by God. Mm-hmm. God is still saying, okay, and whatever it is, whatever the situation is, mm-hmm. you still have a choice, right? Right, and that choice is to come to me, and at times, is asking God, God, what should I do in the situation? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm dealing with this difficult situation right now, and I want to be able to get out of it. How can I get out of it? How can I respond to this? And even in that too, he helps us. Yeah. Right. And, but he's, he's, it's just the weird thing is that every single thing that God does is always just to remind us, I love you. Trust in me. Right. Whether that's something that, that he allows to happen in our lives 
or that we create on our own. Mm-hmm. He's always saying, return to me mm-hmm. and experience the love that I have for you mm-hmm. and that I'm going to take care of you. Mm-hmm. But I would say, even if God gave you that cross, why did he give you that cross? Mm-hmm. Right? Ultimately, to experience his love yeah. right? or share in his love as, 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 as we would say during Lent. Right, that when we, when we journey on this journey of Lent, forty days, especially Holy Week, and on Good Friday, right, God allows us and gives us a cross to be able to experience the love that He has for us, mm-hmm. right, to the point of giving Himself entirely in death to us. Yeah. Right, but then even death, right, which we would say is the greatest suffering, right? What does God do? Mm-hmm. He now transforms death into now the doorway to life, right, to eternal life. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, again, it's just one of those things where a lot of times when I celebrate funerals, that's always the kind of the point that I make. Yeah. Right. Is that for us, death is the worst thing that we can conceive for somebody. Mm-hmm. Right. But yet as Christians, as Catholics, we believe firmly, right, that death, which was the greatest suffering and the greatest consequence of sin, mm-hmm. has now been turned to the doorway Right. To eternal life. I love that. Right. Yeah. In which we are able to experience if we are, if we live it out correctly and trusting and, 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 and ask for the mercy of God, we'll experience the greatest thing. Mm-hmm. And that is to be with God. To be with God. And ultimately yeah. we all want that because we all want to be with our loved ones. Right. Sure. And so God is like very clearly, like, I'm giving you this mm-hmm. um, as the direction. Yeah. One of the things that amplifies um, during our lowest, darkest moments are our negative thoughts, our mm-hmm. negative emotions. But depending on how we respond to these negative thoughts and emotions, they can either devour us or they can help us um, further connect our hearts to God. Um, I think it's not healthy to let our emotions you know, take control of us, but it's also not healthy to avoid or try to circumvent them. Um, Jenny Allen, a Christian um, speaker at national events, just released this book called um, Untangle Your Emotions. And in her book, she wrote this. Joy connects us to God, the giver of the good stuff. Fear connects us to God, our safe place. Anger connects us to God, our adventure. Sadness connects us to God, the one who understands rejection. Even feelings like guilt connects us to God, the one who died for our guilt and shame and sin. How can we learn to connect our negative and painful emotions to God. I think it ultimately has to come down to a personal encounter with Christ, right? And then in that trusting that he's going to take care of us, mm-hmm. right? Because oftentimes when people, when we have a hard time with that question of, of, of suffering in, in light of God existing, is because we don't yet feel or we, we have not yet experienced that God is going to take care of us, right? Which is the biggest lie that the devil does says. Mm-hmm. God will not take care of you. God is not going to provide for you. Fend for yourself, mm. right? That's where our world says, fend for yourself. Mm-hmm. But God's saying, don't offend for yourself mm-hmm. because I am taking care of you, mm. right? He says, you know, why are you worried? Right? The birds of the air and the bird, you know, it's just one of those things where the animals of, the, of this earth do not care because they mm-hmm. know that they're being provided for and they know mm-hmm. that there is an order to things. Mm-hmm. But we wrestle that question all the time because ultimately we don't trust God. 
Mm, right. Yeah. And so when, so yeah. So it's to answer that question, but also kind of just to highlight it all is that I would encourage anybody who is struggling with a difficult situation in life um, or with a, a experience in life that they can't kind of shake off mm-hmm. in the past, mm-hmm. um, a trauma mm-hmm. or they're experiencing any heartache to go to God, whether or not you want to or not in that, in this moment mm-hmm. or in that moment mm-hmm. and to pour your heart to him. Yeah. Right. God knows our suffering. He knows the pains in our hearts, as yeah. you said, Vivian. More than we do. Right? More than we do. Yeah. Right. But he wants us to tell him. Mm-hmm. And there's also something I'm sure, you know, psychiatrists will say, there is something too, to vocalize something exactly. and to verbalize it. Yeah. Right. It takes away the power that it has over you mm-hmm. and allows you to be able to and then be in control. Mm-hmm. Right. I think the reason why many people don't want to express or vocalize their emotions or their thoughts. It's because shame, mm-hmm. guilt. Um, and how do we tackle that, you know, mm-hmm. when facing God? Yeah. The shame and the guilt. And, and I, and to be honest with all of, with all of you who are listening and as you as Valvian, like I deal with that too. Yeah. I struggle with right. that. There are some times so where do I'm I. like, yeah. oh God, I'm not going to tell you because you know it already. I don't want to say it out loud because it's going to make me feel That's embarrassed so <laughs> even though even though it's just you and I and I know that you know right yeah. as a priest like yeah. I, I I as a priest I should be the one that is like God you know but it's I struggle with it too right <laughs> yeah but yeah it comes down to that thing of when you allow someone that you trust into your life you're going to be able to be vulnerable right, right. and just like in my personal experience with my with my yeah, my friends sure. right and making friendships exactly. there are some times where I'm like okay, should I tell them this or should I keep this from them? Why do I do that? It's because I'm not sure how they're going to respond. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if they're going to still love, love me, me or care for me. Right. Right. But then in my experience with my friendships, the ones that are most profound and the most authentic and the most real and the most important to me are the ones where I've had to jump and say, yeah, this is my vulnerable side. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's the same with God. Mm. Right, we have to be vulnerable with God mm-hmm. because if we're not vulnerable with God, we're not going to ever experience His love truly. We're not. Right, and I'm saying that out of my personal experience. Mm-hmm. Right, is that I've have come, to, I've come to time over and over again, come to grips with the fact that even it, even as a priest. Right? I'm not perfect. And I have to tell myself that I have to be vulnerable with God every single day of my life. I can't just think that once I'm ordained a priest, I'm perfect. Right. Right. But it's a reminder from every single day. God is saying, give me more, give me more, give me more. Mm-hmm. And like any relationship, the more that you give, the more that you receive. Mm. Right. And with God, he wants us to give ourselves entirely. You know, what do we hear in the beginning of Lent? Right. Give me your heart. Mm. Right? He's saying it. Give me your heart. Mm-hmm. Right. But that again is an invitation. Mm-hmm. He's saying, here, I'm taking your heart. Yeah. He's saying, no, give me your heart. Yeah, that's right. Right. And yeah. so we have to be able to, you know, let go of the pride mm-hmm. and be able to say in our total self abandonment and vulnerability, God, I am struggling with this Mm. right and to say it 
not say, Lord, I'm suffering with this and you know it. No. Jesus, I am suffering with this. Mm -hmm. This is what is most painful for me right now. Mm -hmm. Right? When we do that, I guarantee you, for, for those of you who are listening right now and for those who will listen, right, you're going to experience the love of God. That is a guarantee. Mm -hmm. That is a guarantee. Because mm -hmm. I myself have experienced that. Mm -hmm. Thank you for putting that into such clear and beautiful perspective that I've actually never heard myself. And that mm -hmm. has helped me so much in terms of, you know, seeing who God is, not just someone who's up there and up in the heavens and doesn't see or understand us. Yeah. No, he's he's here. We we just have to yeah. feel it. I think yeah, he and, uh, God embrace is, it. Yeah. Yeah, God is always there, but I think at times it's our fault too. Right. Because we speak to him as it's if he's, definitely, he's not here yeah, physically, right. you know, but it's like, we're doing that to him. He's like, I'm here. But then if you think you about know? it, if God was actually physically here, I don't think I would be able to love him as much as I would now. Well, join the because, apostles, join know? the Pharisees, right? <laughs> I mean, he was, he was like, I'm right here. Like, I'm literally right here. Yeah. And they're like, crucify him. <laughs> yeah, you know? Join exactly. the club, right? Yeah. But the beauty of it is that our God is not forceful. Yeah. Right. And I can't, there, there's no way for, for us, for you and I, or, or anybody to force anybody to experience God's love. There's nothing, there's mm -hmm. nothing I can say, there's nothing I can do to do it. Exactly. It's just, it's just, it has to be a personal decision to say, Lord, here I am. Mm -hmm. These are things that I'm struggling with. Mm -hmm. And especially to this, and I think I'm, and I want to say this for all you who are out there who are listening to this for the first time and you know, joining us on a podcast, especially if you are having a hard time with believing God even exists, I want you to bring that to him, mm. right? Because this is something I say all the time, right? To, to my parishioners, right? It's like, you will never offend God. I mean, yeah, there are things that you can say that are blasphemous, right? Mm -hmm. Don't want to go there. But, <laughs> but in your honesty in expressing what you feel and how you, how, how, what things are going on in your life, you will never offend God. Because mm -hmm. if you offend God, he's not God, mm. right? And so even if it's not struggling, struggles of like, you know, you know, you know, about personal things, but it's actually, or it is personal, but if it's, <laughs> if it's a struggle of you and your faith, I would say, go there mm -hmm. and say, God, I don't believe you because of this. Mm. I don't, I don't think that you are merciful because of this. Mm. Right. Because once you do that, then that allows God to say, okay, good. Mm. You're being honest with me. And now I can actually have yeah. a conversation with you. Honesty is the best gift you can give God. You can. Yeah. Right. It's like, and in any relationship, too. In any relationship. Right? Yeah. Like if, yeah. If, if you don't tell them like, Hey, you know, Vivian, you really hurt me when you said this. Yeah, unless that happens, mm. there is no conversation because it's like I'm just hiding, I'm just holding it in, I'm just holding, right. it, I'm just holding it in, yeah. right? But yeah, today we're, we're speaking about like my suffering and my experience with my mom, and you know we can be speaking about suffering of like in that kind of generic brokenness sense and everything. But right. this comes down also to our faith, right? right? Whether or not we believe in God. Like mm -hmm. I'm not going to assume, like if me as a priest now, I'm, I don't assume that every single person that I see at mass believe that there's a God. I don't like that's mm -hmm. my presumption. Like, I I I, I want to put it there, because at that point, then we have to have a real conversation, mm. right? And in order for us to go anywhere, that has to happen. Mm. Yeah, so good. So as we slowly kind of wrap up this conversation, I want us to reflect on the passion of Jesus. 
um, a historic and significant event to remember during the season of Lent. And whenever I think of the Passion of Christ, mm-hmm. I my mind immediately um, thinks of Jesus's seven last seven sayings um, on that cross, because for me, those sayings truly reveal Jesus's character mm-hmm. as fully God and especially fully human. Like he experienced human weaknesses in every way imaginable. Mm-hmm. And so during Jesus's pinnacle moment of abandonment on that cross, the very last words he uttered were, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. And so traditionally, we we know that this saying speaks about this connection, this reunion um, that Jesus had with his father. He points to the father, throws himself into the arms of, of him, of, of the father, and then lets go. Um, could you elaborate more on this powerful message Jesus wants to send us through his last last words during this Lenten season and perhaps how this becomes the crux or the heart of Christianity. Mm-hmm. So I am very, I don't like affections. I don't like hugs or anything like that. I think you right? did talk about this. In the I, I think I have, but I think I have. <laughs> like, I, I just don't like naturally like, like hugs. I mean, I will give hugs. Really? And okay. you know, I'll give hugs. And, and the school kids you know, love giving me hugs because they know I don't, I don't like hugs. Right, but they'll give me hugs. <laughs> but I, I remember when I was little, right? And then probably, I'm sure maybe you shared the same, same experience with me, right? Where something has happened at school and I and I go home and it just really sucks. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, oh, what's wrong? And I don't want to say anything, but mm-hmm. she knows that it's painful, right? right? And then I start crying. Mm-hmm. And, and you know that, that moment where you're like, oh, let me give you a hug. No, I don't want to hug. I don't want to hug. But deep down, you, you know, you, you, you know do you want to hug. Want, yeah. Right? And then, and then, the moment that that person hugs you, you let go. Mm-hmm. Like you completely let go mm-hmm. and you abandon yourself. You yeah. commend yourself to mm-hmm. them, because at that point, the vulnerability is all there. There, yeah. Right. I would like to say that is it's it's in this moment, right, where Jesus, in His perfect will with God the Father, was saying. I'm giving myself entirely. He's, he is falling into the arms of exactly. the Father, right? And in our spiritual life, we need to do that, mm-hmm. right? We need to first be honest with ourselves in our relationship with God, to be honest with God, mm-hmm. and then to be vulnerable enough to say, but to say that in our limit mm-hmm. and capacity as a being human, saying, mm-hmm. Lord, I give myself to you, you know, and allowing him to just take us. Mm-hmm. Right, because at times we want to just keep God at a distance, or right. we want to say, "Well, or Lord, put him I'll, in a box." Yeah, put him in a box, or say, mm-hmm. "Lord, you know, God, you know, you can come this far." But in this here, in these words, I commend myself to you, Father. Is us physically maybe saying, "Lord, I give myself to you." Here I am, all of it, all the beautiful, all the ugly, all the mess. Here I am. I give myself to you hug me, take me, mm-hmm. right? Those those are what we would say now to be kind of the more modern language of saying, I commend myself to you, mm-hmm. you know? And the beautiful thing is that what I've noticed is Jesus never associated any of his sayings on that cross with like a condition. He never said, Father, I will surrender myself to you as long as fill in the blank, or I will receive this cup, obey your will as long as you infused me a supernatural power that I won't feel pain on the way mm-hmm. there. I mean, Jesus could have done that. He, yeah. he could have asked for it, but there's so much more beauty when he 
wholeheartedly surrendered yeah. himself to his father. And in your story at Our Lady of Laval, you, you were saying that uh, you wanted Mother Mary to kind of reveal herself mm-hmm. to you. Um, and you and you said, if you heal my mom, then I will sure. fill in the blank. And I, we do that all the time. Oh, like as time. human beings, we always attach our sufferings with you know, like some, some sort of condition. I'll be faithful to you if you give me a significant mm-hmm. other. I'll, I'll pray if you do this for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as I look back, I'm, I'm always stunned by this realization that if, if Jesus did grant me the conditions that I attached to my obstacles, then where is the beauty and the purpose and suffering, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I, I use this and I borrowed this from, from Bishop Robert Barron from his homily, you know, do we love God for who he is mm-hmm. or do we love God for his benefits? Mm. Right. And when you love yeah. somebody, the benefits don't matter. Mm-hmm. Benefits come from, yeah, they come from that love and that relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you, when I love my mom and my dad, when I love my brother, when I love somebody, when I love, a, when I love a parishioner, right. I don't say, well, I'm going to do this because I'll, I'll get this. Mm-hmm. No, I do it freely because I love them. Right. Right. And it's the same with God. Mm. As in we love God mm-hmm. and we trust that he's going to take care of us, mm-hmm. then there are no conditions because mm-hmm. we're saying, yep, yeah, take, take me. Yeah. Right. Just take me. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and again, I, I just want to really reiterate that the way that we experience love as humans, right, we can in an in a analogous way, apply it to God. But God's love for us is so much greater than the love that we can experience as humans, mm-hmm. right? But how do we realize that besides being vulnerable and taking the leap of faith? That's ultimately it. Yeah, that you have to make a leap of faith and to say, okay, if God is truly who he is, right, then he's going to right. provide for me. And if he's not, he's not, right? Yeah. But it's, 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 it's a guarantee from my experience, and I'm sure you can share the same experience, if we, if we do that, if we become vulnerable and we give ourselves to God and we love him and allow ourselves to experience mm-hmm. his love, mm-hmm. then there are, there, there are not going to be conditions mm-hmm. to that love. Right. I think as human beings, we just want to understand, like we mm-hmm. desire mm-hmm. to understand. Yeah. So I feel like this is, this is not necessarily a crisis of faith sure. because I feel like we, we do know that God loves us. We do know that we should surrender to him. It's more of like yeah. this, this crisis of understanding like yeah. i need to understand what's we going on we know it right but do we feel it what would you it? what would you say to people who are kind of including myself in this in this crisis of needing to understand everything behind the suffering i would say let's look at an example of your relationship with somebody right do you understand every single thing about them before you trust them you don't right so same with god is right. that we know all of these things right mm-hmm. but it has to come down to a relationship. As Pope Benedict has said, Christianity is not a philosophical idea. It is an encounter with an, an event and a person. And mm-hmm. that person is Jesus Christ. And so, yes, we can make excuses of like, well, unless I understand every single thing about you know God, then I'll believe in him. Well, that doesn't happen on everyday basis. Like you don't, you know, and say, I don't think it will hey, ever Vivian, happen. Yeah. Tell me every single thing about your life and then give me some facts and, <laughs> and, then, and then I'll trust you right now. You know, when you have a relationship with somebody, you naturally just trust them. And it's with God, too. We have to, in some ways, be able to say, okay, I'm going to risk whatever it is because I, this is worthwhile and then see where it goes. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't go into a relationship 
kind of counting all of the right. well, what could go wrong. Well, this is well. Let's weigh this and this. Okay, let's be friends now. <laughs> it, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, if God is calling us uh, to us to be in relationship with Him, then we have to somehow apply somehow the exp- human experience we have mm-hmm. with God. Right. And but again, you can't force anybody. Right. You can't. And mm-hmm. I can't force anybody. I can't force anybody who's listening right now. I would invite you, especially as we're in the season of Lent, just be open. Right? Allow God to help you to encounter him. And if you don't, then okay, there you go, you know. Yeah. But I guarantee you that if you open yourself to him truly, authentically, that you're going to experience him. And yeah. when you experience him, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. Just like when you experience someone that, you tr- that, someone tr- that truly loves you, it's overwhelming. I do want to point out something that we do often um, ask when we suffer is just why, mm-hmm. you know, why, why, why this, why that. Um, and I, I want to clarify that it, as human beings, it's it's good to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Questions are good, but if we need to know why, if we need to understand before we are willing to move, take a move or take an act, yeah, there will always be another question which sure. then becomes an endless chain of questions sure um and so i think it's under it's important to understand that because there is an infinite number of whys but there is only one who mm-hmm. and that we should you know look up to the god that who mm-hmm. who gives us the love and the provision mm-hmm. that we are seeking mm-hmm. um and to say yes to him without having to understand why mm-hmm. Are there any last words or messages that you would like to give to our audience as an encouragement during this Lent season? Sure. And I think in, in terms of like with suffering, you know, whether that's isolation or feeling a sense of loss of, you know, who, you know, we are, or where things are going and even kind of the difficulties of what's happening in the world now and the politics that we're dealing with, with in our country, mm-hmm. right, um, is that. God loves us, mm, right? Yeah. And that will never change, right? Right. Whether we want to realize it or not, that's, that, that will never change, right? But I always invite you in the season of Lent, right, to allow yourself to be open to that experience, mm-hmm. to allow yourself to, um, to ask those questions, right, of who is God and why did he create me, and mm-hmm. allow him to give you those answers, right? Allow him to, to transform you, right? Because ultimately, there is a God or there isn't a God. Right? Mm-hmm. There is no gray in between answer. There either right. is or or, mm-hmm. right? And He's inviting us in this season to, to encounter Him. Yeah. He's saying, "Here I am. Yeah. You know, I'm waiting for you." Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but come to Him, and, yeah. and and the best and the best ways we can encounter that as Catholics, right, is through the sacrament of confession, reconciliation. Right? Right? Having a heart to heart. Yeah. You know, coming to terms mm-hmm. with, you know, our limitations and saying, you know, these are things, you know, whatever it is. And I know from from my experience with priests, right, they are more than happy to have a conversation with you. Right. Um, not simply in the confession and maybe after, but to understand the pains and suffering that we endure. Right. Um, but to allow God to work yeah. and not not and not to hold back. Because right? mm-hmm. we tend to do that. And so I'd invite you, um, for those of you who are listening, right, just to allow yourself to experience God and mm-hmm. whatever that means to you. Um, and I guarantee you that when you do that, God is going to transform you. And right. he's, he's going to He's going to 
open your heart to something so much greater that you could never right. you know, experience. Yeah. Thank you for that. And to wrap up our conversation today, I challenge you, especially during this Lenten season, to not be afraid of reality, to not desire control, but to trust in God without needing to understand. Because as Father Randy did mention, trust can't really be trust if there is a need to understand. Mm-hmm. And if there is anything we ought to know and understand that is that we have a God who will never abandon us, who will always be there with us, will never fail us, and will always provide a way out at the right time. Because if God is for us, who could be against us? As human beings, it's natural for us to want to cling to control and ask why. But if you and I know who, we can begin to enjoy the joy, peace, and freedom even in the midst of trials. And most importantly, allow ourselves to experience God, to encounter God in the daily motions of life. Father Randy, you are incredible as always, <laughs> as you, always. Mia. Thank you very much for choosing to be back um, on this podcast and taking some time to speak to our young adults. Yes, no, thank you, Vivian, for the invitation. And it's always good to be on yeah, uh, thank this you. podcast. And, and in return, may the season of Lent leading up to Easter bring you peace, fulfillment, serenity, and joy. And thank you to everyone who has tuned into this podcast. Once again, you can find us on the free Hail Mary Media app or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're on the app, check out other Vietnamese prayers and sermons and follow us on our social media pages linked in the description area below. Remember to love God more than you fear your cross and we will see you on Friday, April 5th for another exciting episode. Stay holy, happy, and healthy. Until next time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Through Thick and Thin. Produced at the studios of Mater Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. Learn more about this podcast, our other shows, and other Vietnamese content by visiting the free Hail Mary media app.